Welcome to Love Love Tennis, where tennis talk starts. I'm Ruth Dobson Torres, host of the Love Love Tennis podcast. The goal of this episode and all future episodes is to promote the sport of tennis by sharing diverse and interesting opinions and voices about all things happening in the tennis world today. So let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Love Love Tennis podcast. Today, I'm really excited. We've got a great guest. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's originally from Punta Gorda, Florida. Her tennis career as a youth involved playing in top-tier international junior tournaments like the Orange and Easter Bowls, as well as training at the Nick Bolletieri Tennis Academy in Bradenton, Florida. She also played collegiate tennis at Miami University in Ohio and received the MAC Conference Rookie of the Year honors as a freshman. Today, she is a USPTA elite certified professional with more than 23 years of ten- tennis coaching experience. She's also an experienced registered yoga teacher and continuing education provider through the National Yoga Alliance and has 13 years of experience teaching yoga. She currently serves as tennis director and head professional at Play Tennis Practice Yoga, an organization she founded that's based out of Punta Gorda, Florida. Play Tennis Practice Yoga offers a unique tennis yoga fusion of offerings that's well-received by both competitive and recreational tennis players alike. She considers herself a forever student in the game of tennis and in the practices of yoga and has a mission to share the knowledge she's acquired over the years with like-minded individuals who by nature are curious, disciplined, and continually working towards self-improvement. So with all of that said, welcome Margaret Bannon to the Love Love Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ruth. I'm very excited and being able to share my love for yoga, for tennis with everybody. Yes, I'm so excited. And we are, I know our listeners are going to be excited to hear you um, expound on, on the topic of tennis and yoga today. So to start us off, um, I understand you are a native of Florida and that you were involved in competitive tennis, you know, as a youth at an international global level. So I want to ask, um, what, what, time did you really discover that you loved, loved the game of tennis? And can you share some reflections about, you know, having that opportunity to play um, international, you know, uh, matches in competition when you were um, younger? Uh, Well, first, I'd like to say that I don't really remember not ever loving tennis. (laughs) I started at such a young age. It was probably about seven years old. So uh, my parents say that they could just see like the joy that I had in chasing after tennis balls all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, And that quickly turned into tournaments locally and then um, nationally. And lucky for us in Florida, we have some of the strongest competition around and uh, even the international tournaments, like you mentioned, the Orange Bowl and the Easter Bowl are here in Florida, or at least they were at the time. And Mm -hmm. um, even some of the great international tournaments uh, can be you know, played in, uh, for example, one of my favorites was in Philly, the um, International Grass Court Champions Championships. I, I remember that one 
uh, specifically because it was always over my birthday and it was very difficult to get into. I, I played that one twice. And um, another one that I really enjoyed was um, the Coqui Bowl in Puerto Rico, where uh, my family is from. So that was extra special. Um, and I got to play some really cool tournaments in Europe. I did a, a tour, I think it was probably around 16, called um, Tennis Europe, where we traveled around um, Holland and Germany and Sweden. And that concluded with a really cool trip to watch tennis at the Barcelona Olympics. Oh, so wow. I, I definitely traveled a lot as I was younger. So I'm very fortunate to uh, have been able to do that. That is awesome. I do remember when the Olympics were held in Barcelona, I was at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and one of my sweet mates, uh, her friend's family, they rented a home over in Barcelona that summer oh, cool. able to go. Nice. So that that is so interesting. And and wow, it sounds like you really did love, love the game. And mm-hmm. and so obviously you were playing as a, as a teenager. You know, at what point did you decide or set a goal that you wanted to try to play at a collegiate level? Level. And how did you end up, you know, at Miami University in Ohio, a little ways away from Florida? Yes, definitely. Um, well, I think at first, as many of us do when we're younger, we set our sights on being able to play professionally. And then once you kind of realize that that might not be a realistic goal, then comes uh, college tennis. So I just remember that point uh, in juniors where it was all about the ranking because it was all about what college you could get into and you know, it's definitely a pressure cooker type situation. It's a very big decision. And um, um, I will say that Miami definitely was not my first choice. Uh, I had never been to Ohio. Again, that's pretty far from Florida. Uh, much less a school named Miami having been from Florida. It was very confusing. But um, I went on my recruiting trip there. There was a girl um, that was already playing there that I had trained with a bit that lived maybe about an hour away from me. So um, she told the coach about me. I went on a recruiting trip. The girls were fantastic. Everyone in the Midwest was super friendly. Everyone I talked to at the school, my recruiting trip was like, you should come here. It just, it kind of blew me away. It was so different from what I knew in Florida that, that I decided to give it a chance. And ultimately it really was the right decision. That's great. I, I have been to Ohio a couple of times. I'm actually, you may tell from the accent, I'm a native uh, Southerner, native North Carolinian, but uh, I have been to Ohio a few times and really enjoyed it out there as well. But um, so, okay, so you played there. And, um, you know, obviously, I think, you know, I'd mentioned that uh, in the intro that you were, you know, rookie of the year you received as a freshman. So it sounds like you did enjoy the did you play all four years or did you? I, I did. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. And that there was something kind of liber, liberating about going away for school and that I got to play against a lot of different people that I hadn't played against. Um, you know, again, Florida is very competitive and you just get into a routine where you're playing a lot of the same people in tournaments. And so I was opened up to a whole new world, especially with college tennis. There's just a lot of international players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, initially, I, which ultimately didn't end up being the best spot for me, um, I did play first position for a while. So I really got to play the best players wow. out of the area, which was really challenging. And then I kind of settled into that third position, which was my sweet spot, um, mm-hmm. where I won that, that title, which I didn't even know existed. So it was such a surprise to me. Uh, at the MAC tournament when it was presented to me. <laughs> wow. Um, yes. And so you played number three then singles 
Yes. And did you play doubles as well? I did. Yeah. A single was definitely my strength. Um, I played uh, third doubles and I really learned more about doubles then and, and really in teaching after I graduated from. Okay. Yeah. So transitioning uh, after graduation, um, did you take a break from tennis at all? Or did you have you just pretty much continued? Uh, you continued with tennis. You know, it, it was a little bit of a break. I actually got married right out of school. So there was a couple months there and I really didn't know what I quote wanted to do with my life. And I had just got married and moved to Columbus, Ohio, which is where my husband is from. Okay. And I just kind of had a couple months where I hadn't played and I was like, okay, I need to get back into playing somehow. And I didn't really know how to do that. And I went to one of the local clubs where we had played against Ohio state and made friends with um, one of the pros at the club. And uh, she kind of convinced me to not play there, but to teach for her because she <laughs> needed a substitute on a specific day. Oh, and great! Kind of how I got into teaching tennis is I really never thought it wasn't something I had planned to do, even though it seems silly now to think that way, given my personality and, and how disciplined I was and how much I love the sport of tennis. Interesting. I know on our podcast, I've interviewed a couple of um, tennis coaches and some who have similarly played college at the college level. And one of them said that he knew that he wanted to teach and he had actually majored in education. So I was going to ask you, it sounds like that wasn't the case for you. You're saying you, you, you know, sort of a pleasant surprise happening in a way, although it makes sense for you now, but what was your major uh, there at college? And, you know, were you considering that uh, a career along the line of your major? So if I could have majored in tennis, I probably would have, (laughs) Um, but I majored in mass communications and film studies. Um, I definitely had a creative side, which, you know, as a student athlete, you're so tied up in the tennis practices and trying to just keep up with school. So there was really never any free time. Right. Um, But it was cool. I got to make little mini movies and learn about film and I interned at a radio at a radio station while in college, so I just kind of got to tap into another side of of me that was apart from tennis. Um, right. With that said, I don't know that it provided me with great tools of getting a job <laughs> after <laughs> college because the jobs that I was looking at um, would have required a lot of time to kind of um, step up the ladder and were very odd hours, and so that's why when I kind of fell into teaching tennis, I was kind of like, okay, well, I can wear sweats and I can get a good workout and you mean I get paid for this? Okay, well, maybe I, sh- I, sh- I should give this a try because at the time it was paying better than the jobs I was looking at. Really? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I'm so glad to hear that, that you, it worked out that you got to stay in the, in the tennis realm, which you're still in today. So I want to ask, um, but, you know, besides being a tennis, you've how many years, 23 tennis coaches, 23. Um, besides that, as I mentioned in the intro, you are also a yoga instructor. So I want to ask you why and when did you begin your personal practice of yoga and when did you first begin to see a connection and positive synergies between the practice practices of yoga and the sport of tennis? Okay, this was definitely kind of a long answer. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I got into yoga through a lower back injury that I suffered um, pretty close to after college in, in those first few months after teaching tennis, um, just through weightlifting, I kind of threw myself into working out at, in the gym because I was used to, you know, training a lot and didn't really know any other way. And the physical therapist's office that I was going to started hosting some yoga classes in the evening. Uh, however, I tried a couple. I think I went to four of them, and it really wasn't my thing. Like, I was like, I don't even know what this is. Right. It's slow. I'm not getting a workout. I feel very bad at it. And it, it took me a couple more years to try it. Um, and then through the gym setting again, um, I just kind of stumbled into a class and it was just a very different experience or maybe, you know, how the saying goes, uh, you know, the student is ready, the teacher appears. So maybe I just wasn't ready before that. Right. Um, but I had a very different experience and it turned into being able to do it once a week because it was difficult. It was very different from what I was used to. And I remember I was still working through the back issues Yes. And that turned into me practicing at different gyms because I had one of those uh, memberships where I could go to the same gym in different parts of the city. Yes. So I would seek out anywhere in the city I could go. And then that turned into like three times a week and four times a week. And I just really loved it. Wow. And, um, yeah. You and then when in, I, you fell in love with yoga. Like I really did. It really sort of replaced, I don't want to say for the tennis, but in a very similar way. I could get into something that I could kind of study and try to quote master certain poses, even though that's not really what it's about. But at the time there was a, I was really curious about it and, and I just knew that I wanted to learn more about it. Okay. And it, it made me feel strong and it made me feel like I could do things that I couldn't do. And it was just totally different. Um, and did your back improve? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, you know, I have some things going on that probably won't change, but it definitely allows me to manage what I have going on, which is huge for me. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of what I have issues with are overuse of things that I do in my job. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I definitely use it to manage that. Managing what you're yeah, you know, so, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so you you and were you in Ohio at that time when you first so I was in Ohio yeah and then it wasn't until I moved to Florida back to Florida okay started teaching tennis here um I started teaching yoga again kind of a fluke one of the tennis clubs I was working at had a yoga instructor that moved away and they said to me hey we know you're into yoga how about do you want to teach yoga here <laughs> well, I can't really teach yoga and tennis here, you know? And they said, well, come on, you know, why not? So I did a very kind of a minimal certification, like an 18 hour certification. And I taught some classes and I, I learned a couple of things. I learned that I definitely needed to uh, study more on teaching. Like that minimal certification was not enough, but right. I learned that I really did like to teach yoga. And so when I transitioned to a, quote, real yoga studio, uh, <laughs> the, the yoga sanctuary here in Punta Gorda, the best studio oh. in town. Um, I was encouraged by the original owner, uh, Bonnie Yonker. She's like, okay, well, as soon as you get your 200 hour certification, you're going to do some yoga for tennis <laughs> workshops for us. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. So it really wasn't my idea. Oh, okay. Okay. But I did start teaching them 
pretty close to when I first started teaching tennis. So it really has been there from the beginning, even though for me, it was more personal, more selfish. That was the very beginning of it all. Oh, wow. That is, that is great to hear. And again, uh, similar to your story about, uh, you know, not, it wasn't necessarily something you realized, you know, it wasn't necessarily in the forefront of your mind. It just, it evolved organically. <laughs> right. It sounds like it. That's fantastic. Well, I, I know on your company's website, playtennispracticeyoga.com, you share that you use techniques with individuals that quote, train body awareness, breath control, and focus, inviting presence through tennis and yoga. Can you elaborate and give us more details about the type of tennis yoga fusion of services that you offer and how they can help build someone's presence on the tennis court, on a yoga mat, or in life in general? That building of presence. Can you talk about that? Definitely. So, you know, if you take a tennis lesson, you might be asked to take your racket back below your waist. And if, if you don't look at where that is in space, the most common thing will be student will, you'll ask a student to take the racket back below their waist and their racket is well above, maybe just <laughs> below their shoulder. Like they don't have a good idea of where they are in space. Uh, okay. So much like the yoga postures teach us where our body is in space through learning tennis strokes, we can do a very similar thing where I can have a student do one very specific thing with their body and just focus on how that feels. Uh, for example, I might say, act like you're gonna touch the ground with your racket or something like that. And that's their focal point over and over again, getting used to what that feels like. Um, you know, in tennis, it's all about reps, getting those repetitions in. Yes. Um, but I really believe in keeping things simple and in focusing on those little things body-wise. Uh, along with that, the breath is huge in tennis. Most commonly, students will report that they find that they've been holding their breath. If I notice that someone's getting tired pretty easily in a way that doesn't make sense, almost always I'll ask, okay, can you tell where you're holding your breath? Oh yeah, I was holding my breath, you know? <laughs> so students, you know, I think it's just a natural thing, right? You get tense, yes. you to hold the breath, you start to get tight. And so again, very early on, if you start taking some lessons with me in that second or that third lesson, um, we're gonna talk about the breath, trying to synchronize exhalations as you hit in the warm up with things as simple as mini tennis. Just, you know, I, I really like, Making the court smaller, I'll offer a lot of drills in that manner because when you simplify it in that way and when you slow things down, then you can be really aware of what's happening with the body, with the breath, with the right? breath and, which is and the yoga. happen overnight, of course. Uh, you practice over and over again, but then students often, oh yeah, oh yeah, I can feel it. Oh yeah, that feels much better, <laughs> you know, working with the breath and, you know, as far as um, becoming a little more present or a little more focused. I, I do a lot of uh, ball watching drills. You know, this is not a new uh, concept and watching the scenes watch of the ball or the writing of the ball, but we need these reminders and we need certain little drills and tools and tips to keep things fresh, to keep the mind engaged rather than someone just telling you, watch the ball, watch the ball watch the right. right we know well, that already right yes. <laughs> so how can we do that in a way that keeps us interested so that we begin to do it naturally because we've been trained to do that 
yes, I'm, I'm understanding. And interestingly, I actually, uh, true story, was playing a doubles match about a year and a half ago. And I was so tense that I, um, at the end of the match, and sadly, we we lost the match, I, I bit into a kind bar and broke my tooth. But oh my what God. the dentist, yeah, what the dentist said was that clenching, you know, some people do that at night. And um, yes. I happen to be someone that I have done that before. But that's how in like tight I yes. was that my teeth, uh, he said, uh, you know, were, were clenched and that that contributed. That's why, because I thought a kind bar, I love kind bars and they're not hard. Right. They're sort of chewy, but uh, that was the assessment. So I'm, I'm hearing you say that the yoga and, and those postures and learning where you are and having a sense of space, you translate that into your some of that into the tennis lessons, like some of those exactly. things from yoga so that a tennis player becomes more aware of where they are when they're hitting the ball or when they're tossing a serve up or exactly. any of the motions of tennis. Okay. That, that is very interesting. Well, I have to tell you, I'm a 3.5 right now. Currently, <laughs> I actually sadly had I have a shoulder injury, so I haven't wasn't able to play this spring as much as I would have liked. I have a slight tear in my rotator cuff. That's not good. <laughs> but um, I know only a few tennis players at my level that I've spoken to uh, who've told me that they also practice yoga. So, can you share your thoughts about how establishing a yoga practice can benefit a tennis player and um, whether they're playing competitively, you know, in ma competitive matches or just recreationally, and obviously you love both tennis and yoga, but can you, yes. can you share uh, your thoughts on and why someone you would recommend they, they give it a try like you did? Well, definitely. Uh, and, and I'm glad to hear that you at least know some people that are practicing. Yes. Yoga because, I well, I don't think it's super common. I think it's becoming more common, especially as these, Professional tennis players are becoming more vocal about their yoga practices. I love to see that and be able to share that. Um, so we usually come into it for the more physical. Like you mentioned you had your shoulder injury, right? And and maybe that kind of took you out of the game because if you can't serve, you can't, right. you can't play or at least in that setting for your league setting. So most of us are going to come into it because we have a a tennis related injury or a nagging injury that we're dealing with or we've dealt with in the past. So I think that that's probably the most common way that we can relate the practice to tennis players or, or even just selling it as uh, we want to be able to play tennis, the game of a lifetime as it's uh, advertised to us, right? So it's only going to be that way if we take care of ourselves in a way that we can uh, sustain playing because it's, it's a very challenging sport on the body, or at least I really believe that to be true in my own case. I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I can share about two years ago, tore my calf muscle, you know, one at a, during a night, it was a doubles match at night. And I, it was a partial, two, like great partial grade two tear, but wasn't fun. That took me out for a few months. So I have begun to see that, yes, it is very challenging on by. So that was, one thing, something, one of many things I wanted to ask you about was just, do you feel that in tennis uh, today, there's enough emphasis on stretching, um, you know, for players who may, you know, come, like have taken time out of tennis, like I took 
you know, a long was out for 15 years, you know, went back, I played in high school, and then 20 years went by, and then I went back to tennis, and now I've been back in it. But I feel like I haven't seen tons of emphasis, um, you know, when you're out recreationally, just amongst players themselves saying, hey, can we stretch before we play? Can we can, you know, have you stretched? Do you know how heavy your racket is? You know, some of those things that I feel like, I just, I feel like they're not necessarily just, I'd love to hear your opinion about. Yeah, I'm going to say that I'm with you that at the level that you're at, which is probably the most common, that three, five uh, recreational level, you're going out, you're playing league, or maybe we have the weekend warrior types that are coming out after work. Um, what I hear from those people are, oh, I need to stretch more. Oh, I, oh, oh, I have this that hurts. But for some reason, we're willing to put a lot of time into the tennis when we have time. And we're not willing to put in all of the other things that can help us be able to play the game. And I know that I was guilty of that, too, before I found yoga. When I was younger, there was not an emphasis in that. And I think that there is uh, for competitive juniors now, and especially at the professional level, they, they have to do those things to be able to keep up with those who are. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I would just say, you know, sometimes in our mind, it's such a bigger chore or task than it actually is. Meaning, I'm just speaking for myself. When I first started practicing yoga on my own, I thought I had to practice an hour long practice like I did when I went into the studio. And that's not the case. So, what I would really love for players like yourself to do is, you know, I, I had to start first after practice with some stretching because I was so tight and I'm still, you know, average flexibility, um, maybe a little bit more than average. But um, if I were to do it in the morning, first thing when I haven't been moving, just getting up from sleeping. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I first started yoga, it's not the case now. Right. Um, that's approved. It was very painful. So I think when, a new practitioner of yoga or just someone that's trying to get into stretching and they try it for the first time, they think, Oh, this hurts. This is painful. Like why would I put myself through this? So I would, I would suggest, and it's what I, how I started, um, you know, do your tennis practice. And then when you go home and you take your nice hot shower, you're a little looser because you've moved for there's for me, there's a magic component to the physical exercise and taking the hot shower. And then do a couple stretches here and there. So start with one, maybe pose that looks interesting. You know, I mentioned before being so curious when I was younger, I would see poses in a book and and say, oh, that looks cool. I want to try that. So start with something that looks cool for you to try, or maybe you have a problem area. Okay, I'm going to do this one pose that's supposed to be good for my lower back, for example, or for my shoulders. And just start with one pose. This is great advice. Thank you for sharing. And it definitely is going to apply to to me. I I admit, I, for years, have wanted to do, I have occasionally done yoga. And now feeling like having the injuries, like as you're describing, just realizing that maybe practicing yoga can, can make that what seems a little bit overwhelming, this, the trying to figure out how can I incorporate stretching? How can I do this? And I have heard that there are stretching gyms now where they're just focused oh, yeah. on that. But I feel like that yoga is so interesting and with tons of different types of yoga, but like, as you're saying, a way that that maybe can put some structure to the stretching um, and, and doing that in a way that is, you're describing it, it doesn't have to be overwhelming, starting small. 
So that's and I believe in that in that concept for for practicing tennis drills and practicing your serve and your toss and that as well. I mean, you have to make it accessible and realistic. Otherwise, you just never get to it. I think I've gotten overwhelmed in the past. I admit with what you're saying, I I would get frustrated and look around the yoga class too and seeing others who are doing the poses so well and then feeling like, why can't I do it? And I outfitted myself. I have all the gear. (laughs) Let me tell you, I've got the mats. I've got the mats. I've got the, you know, the, the, the little yoga blocks. I've got, you know, I've, I've tapped into another reason why tennis players don't go because we're competitive. So they go into a room, see everybody else. They say, why can't I do this? And, and think about how crazy that is. Would you ever step onto a tennis court without playing the game and expect that you can keep up with everyone else? No. I mean, that's just silly. Right. <laughs> right. So, it's hard, but that's the mentality that we're yes. used to. I think because yeah. it does take time and it is a practice and, and maybe I, I, I personally gave in too soon. I th- think I have, but this is why I'm so excited to talk to you today and hear your suggestions for how to to do it and start small with one pose and just try that. And thank you for sharing your, your recommendation to do that after a shower, after you've played. And so that can sort of, put those two activities together which yeah, is what you do you do it that way too it's kind of like a nice release from what you've just done you're helping restore the body so maybe you're not as sore when you wake up in the morning or you know you're just going to prepare yourself better for the next time you go out I mean there's definitely other ways I would suggest to, to practice yoga but if, if you're starting it for the first time that might be a good way to start Okay. And so related to specifically yoga for tennis exercises, particularly, um, you, you mentioned you can start with one pose that you find interesting, but particular to tennis and the, and the poses in yoga that, that can you talk about, um, you know, are there specific poses that should be done prior to a match or is this always post practice or post match or do you have, and is that, is that a a way that you approach the yoga tennis fusion? Do you even look at it that way? Like pre-match during a match, Mm -hmm. post-match, are there poses in yoga that line up to things you're doing or stretching prior or whatever? um, during? Definitely. definitely. So if I were going to go out and play a match uh, tonight, I would spend a little time before my match and I would take some dynamic movement, um, meaning I'm moving on breath. I'm moving in and out of pose. I'm not holding anything. And I would be taking postures that mimic things that we do on court. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, dynamic stretching on court beforehand or if you guys ever take time to just um, do some, not so much. So, um, that's some stuff that you can kind of look at my YouTube channel later. Yes, and I would like to, yes. But I a lot of our listeners will. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of those, um, recommended stretching routines are very similar to what we already do on the yoga mat. And so I like to move my body, uh, in the different ways the body moves, especially because I have certain problem areas. You know, I mentioned the low back, but I've suffered things in the past, such as a shoulder injury as well. And, you know, I could probably name a, a spot all the way up and down my body that I've dealt with. So I feel it's a way to not only prepare the body, but in preparing the body, it prepares me mentally because I'm, I'm being proactive. I just in knowing that I've 
quote, prepared my body, I feel stronger, more empowered because I've prepared myself to go out there. And as I do those movements, I also get my breath going. Yes. In doing that, I become a little more present with what I'm doing. And that's what you hope to do when you're on court. Right. So, you know, again, I don't want to stress and anyone else to practice before, during, <laughs> yeah. after, start with what works for you. Um, but ideally, I would say dynamic movement initially to prepare the body, especially if you're a slow starter. I'm a slow starter. So right. it takes you a whole set to warm up. And you're one of the person, people that loses the first set always, that you just not warmed up a lot of the time. I, I would really recommend it for you beforehand. Before. And there, you know, there are some great players. Serena Williams often loses the first set. And right. I, I, there are some great professionals also that we see, even the, you know, people at the professional level that, that are like that. Like you're saying slow starters and knowing if you are one. So you think it would be extremely helpful if that's yeah. the case for someone. And then you mentioned in getting started, maybe trying a pose that you like after at the shower, after you've practiced tennis or played a match. But that is more of a restorative in nature. Restorative versus yeah. the dynamic. So that you would hold uh, with less effort, more like a release. Uh, these postures would be on the ground, usually with a supportive blanket or blocks and bolsters, if you're familiar with any yoga. Yes. Problem. The blocks. You're not doing a lot. You're just kind of holding and letting go and allowing the props to do the work and taking the weight and the shape of your body. And you're just breathing. Okay. But, but again, you know, it's that, that's, that's hard to ask someone to do if they're not used to it, to be still. Right. <laughs> to breathe. Right. Right. And, you know, one of the things, and this is just sort of popping in my head now is just when I can, there's all different types of people who play tennis, all different types of personalities. So it's just one of the reasons why I love it so much. And why we, part of the reason why I founded lovelovetennis.com just to celebrate, you know, everyone who loves the sport. And there's so many different types of, of individuals who are, but, uh, and I'm going to generalize a bit, but I feel like that tennis is a very, it is competitive there's a lot of energy, it's intense, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, the spurts and the the stops and the starts of tennis, yeah. whereas yoga, that flow, and so it, it seems like the energies, in a way, could be perceived to be very different, and like, when you said you first started yoga, and that you, you know, I don't want to say you found it boring, but it was slow. Almost like a shock to the system because you're so used to being intense and fast paced and out of control. And now you're asking the exact opposite. Yes. So, but in the end, finding a balance, I think is what is the beauty here. And that's what I I think about being willing to try this. So many people... Uh, and I think there are some that probably are addicted to that high energy pace and um, they just don't want to slow down. But as you were saying, with injuries in tennis and as we age, you know, it's so important to have that awareness of what's happening to your body um, if right. you want to continue for the long term. Exactly. So these injuries might kind of force a slowdown when you don't want it, but you don't have to wait for that to happen. You can use it as a preventative tool. Um, And as we know, if we're not liking to slow down, we crave that intense, fast paced um, mindset. It's not just in in tennis that we need to balance that out. It's probably in life that we need to balance that out as well. 
So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that's one of my favorite things about teaching yoga for tennis, uh, where I am at play tennis practice yoga is that, yes, we're learning these tools to improve our game, but ultimately you're really learning something about yourself that can improve your life dramatically. I've I've had many students, especially during the pandemic, say what a lifesaver um, these sessions have been because in finding that focus and being very specific about what the mind is or and your body are being asked to do in the lesson, you're not thinking about all of the other crazy things that are going on in this world. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Um, and back to your, I think you mentioned it, or if we haven't, I want to make sure we do. So our listeners hear this, your play tennis practice yoga has a really cool YouTube channel. You, you mentioned some of the videos, yes, that you have. And I was hoping, you know, I think that's a free library of videos that you have. And I, last time I looked online at it, you had more than 270 subscribers. So that's uh, a lot of people are, are getting and seeing value there. So I was hoping you could tell us about the different video playlists that you have and categories, you know. So I... I I'm making this channel with the tennis player in mind that we're talking about. Maybe someone who hasn't tried yoga before, or maybe someone who thinks that yoga is hard. I'm really trying to make it accessible. It's not the acrobatic type of yoga that you might've seen on Instagram. That's not what we're doing here. So I'm really using what I've learned through my own body and what I've learned Uh, and leading other students, like what do students need? Uh, So for example, there's a playlist called Yoga for Tennis Players that has little mini classes. There's one, uh, a couple that are popular, one's called Express Class, which is like 15 minutes. And then another one's called Yoga Body and Mind, which is about half an hour. And in that same playlist, you can find a practice for your shoulders or for your hand muscle. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. You kind of can... You can scroll through there and see what appeals to you. But with the same thing in mind that we talked about, I also have another playlist called One Pose at a Time. So maybe you just want to, maybe you say, I've heard about that downward facing dog. What is that? You know, okay, let's learn downward facing dog. So you can go on there and just learn that one pose. But with that said, I also have a bunch of videos uh, under the playlist name yoga for tennis on court. And these are my little mini drills where most of them you can just do with one other partner. So again, I want to do these drills are accessible that you don't need to be doing it in a lesson. A lot of things that can be done at home, like in a driveway. So these little drills with a specific mental focus. Okay. A couple other things that I've already mentioned. We, we mentioned restorative poses. I just did a yoga for tennis um, restorative challenge with on court, off court, and foldable yoga mat with Kalindi Dinifer. And so this was a week long of restorative yoga practices, one restorative pose a day. So that would be a great one to try too. Okay, I'm going to play tennis. I'm going to take my hot shower. I'm going to go to day one and practice that pose. So that would be a way. Uh, I, I did a challenge last year called Yoga for Tennis Breathing. So if you feel that you are a breath holder or that you're not breathing as efficiently as you could. Clenching, clenching teeth. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that is for you. So really, you can just go on my channel and scroll down through all the different playlists and just start with something that appeals to you or resonates with you. Um, it's growing a little bit every day. I would love to know. 
uh, tennis players feedback. If you do try any of these videos, leave me a comment and let me know um, if it spoke to you or not, because that's really how I'm going to know how to serve everybody else a little bit better. Right. Serve everyone else better. Pun intended. Serving. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I know on, on your website, uh, you mentioned that you're eager to share your knowledge with individuals. You share a passion of yours, which is to blend curiosity and discipline and working towards self-improvement. The routine of doing yoga exercises is referred to as a practice, yeah, meaning something that one has to continually strive uh, to do and improve. I also think tennis is similar and has a yoga-like practice aspect to it that keeps the game forever fresh and fun for everybody who plays it. So in what ways do you find tennis like yoga can stoke a sense of curiosity in its players? And do you think tennis is a sport that promotes forever learning? Definitely. I see the two almost one in the same in that you know, they're both process oriented. You know, you really have to enjoy the process. Otherwise, if you're only focused on that end result, that win, you're going to be very unhappy a lot of the time. So we really have to embrace these small practices, these small ways in which we try to, you know, improve our game or improve our yoga posture. And, and that's how we really improve self with getting to know self a little bit better through slowing down and, and tuning into these subtle practices like the breath. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing gets me more when, when I worked in the club setting when I would get the group of ladies to have eight ladies together for clinic and I'd say, okay, um, what, what do you want me to know about your last match? What do we need to work on? And the answer was always the same. We need to win. <laughs> okay, well, what are we gonna do to like, you know, that was the answer I got oftentimes, but they weren't willing to do A, B, and C to get to the win. So it's not about saying we need a win. It's about checking all the boxes and all the things that you can do that will eventually get you get there. To the win. Exactly. Yeah. We actually have a love, love tennis book club and it's quarterly. And last this, we just sort of kicked it off in, in 2021. And the first book uh, for first quarter, so to speak, was James Blake's, uh, his first book was called Breaking Back. I think it's how I almost lost everything and got my life back. But he talks about that very thing that he admitted that at one point he was too focused on the win, the W, and that he came, he he actually under underwent a lot of tragic things in his life. He almost broke his neck falling, uh, you know, I think it was in um, Italy, you know, on a clay court. He uh, had shingles that, you know, came up. His dad died. A lot happened to him back in 2005. And he talked about through slowing down. He was forced to slow down by a lot of that. And he came to this, this, uh, knowledge that it isn't about the win, it's about the process. So, so interesting to hear you say you think tennis and yoga are two sports or exercise. Uh, I don't know if people refer to yoga as a sport, but two uh, exercise disciplines, disciplines that are similar with this aspect of focusing on continual practice and improvement to get you to a more elevated place where you're, you're a winner in, in life, right? And, and on right, the right. 
That's fantastic. So um, I wanted to ask you, um, of course, this will be the last question. <laughs> Since you're both a tennis coach and a yoga instructor, I'm going to have to ask you this question. Of the two, which do you love, or maybe I should phrase it, which do you love, love the most? So the, the most <laughs> difficult question. <laughs> So I'm going to say that first, you know, I don't know if I would have come to yoga without tennis. Um, And this might be cheating the answer a little bit, but now I don't really see them as being that separate from one another. When I'm on court, it just becomes clear to me every day when I'm with students how what I'm teaching on court is yoga, whether the student knows it or not. And that's what I love about it, that I get to teach yoga through tennis and that especially in the setting that I've created, people are very open to it. They're enjoying it a ton. Um, I'm just seeing that they're really um, experiencing the joy and learning that I think can often uh, get lost um, with many that put that pressure on themselves as we discuss. So, um, <laughs> so you say so you- the answer a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I figured you might say that, but they are melded into one. You love them. You love them both. And and yes, it's fantastic. I just want to say thank you because this has been very enlightening for me. And I know um, those who are going to hear this podcast episode and I know this is uh, like you said, it's something that has been catching on more and more. More tennis players are seeing the professionals like Djokovic and and talking about the importance and how yoga has helped improve their games. So I think more and more right now, there's sort of a, a, a what how shall I put it? It feels like some momentum is happening. I, I right agree. Now. I feel that too. I feel like it's not going to be. Um, it's going to definitely become more common. We're going to start hearing about it more and more and. Um, I love these opportunities. I thank you so much for allowing me to, to talk about what I love to do. And I would actually love to hear from your listeners too. I'm always curious to hear as to why uh, tennis players aren't open to, to practicing yoga. So I would love to hear anything if people want to share what their feedback is. I don't know if you have a way to share right. my email or on my website. People, I was going to say for people to get the best way to get in touch with you, obviously um, they can visit your website, playtennispracticeyoga.com. Is yep. that they can connect with you there? That's exactly right. And, and the YouTube is Play Tennis Practice Yoga as well. The YouTube's, yeah, the same. You got your yeah. brand, Play Tennis Practice Yoga, which I love. And um, yeah. if, you go to, if you go to my website, you can, um, there's a contact form on there and you can email me too if you have questions or, you know, I, I'm always willing to learn based on what people want to share. Oh, yes. Well, this has just been fantastic having you as a Love Love Tennis Podcast guest today, Margaret. Bannon, thank you. Thank you. And I wish you all the best uh, with your yoga and tennis practices, (laughs) uh, disciplines for the remainder of 2021. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap. If you liked listening to this episode, don't miss visiting our website, love-lovetennis.com, to check out more episodes and more content about all things tennis, because Love Love Tennis is where tennis talk starts.